We are in week 12 of this series on who is God or who is this God. And as we begin to look at this, I hope that you have taken some notes or, or, or got some ideas about uh, God and what we're doing. <coughs> but we, yeah, well, let's just let's just go ahead and jump into this. I want to review it real quick. Some of the names that we've looked at over the past twelve weeks was we've looked at God. He is our provider. He is our healer. He is the present one. He is our peace. He is the rested one who supplies more than enough. He is my righteousness. He is my salvation. He is awesome. Uh, he is the God who sees me. And he is the banner that I run to when I don't know where else to go. And, and then we look at he is our father, Abba. And, and, and as we look at that, we, I want us to understand, he is not trying going to bring all these things to you. He is all these things to you. He doesn't stop being one to become another. He is all of these things wrapped up for you. So when you need when you need finances, when you need God to bring you through, you need to reach out to Jehovah, the, 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 our provider. When you need somebody to pay, you're, you're trying to buy a car. Reach out to your provider. He is that to you right now. Yes. Come on. You need peace in your life? He is your peace. Yes. He's not going to be. He is right now. Yes. Yes. And so, I want, to read, I, want to, I want to read you a quote that we read a few weeks ago by E.W. Kenyon. And, and, and Kenyon, in his book, uh, The Father and His Family, Kenyon says this, The Jews call him God. Jesus called him Father. The church today calls him God. <laughs> he says, he goes on to say, how few ever intelligently call him Father? How lonesome he must be. He is a Father God with a Father heart. And his people call him God. Just Mr. God. Like they would speak of a neighbor. He goes on to say, let us learn this Father's heart. Today, we're going to close this series out. I woke up the other morning and I, I, I decided I was just going to stay here because God reveals himself through his names all through the Bible. It's, not, it's more than the ones that's even back here. And I'm like, God, I can preach on this for years. And uh, so I've just, I had just settled into that, Sheila. I wasn't going to try anything else. We'll just stay here. We'll be the, the church of God's name for all I know, you know. And uh, then he woke me up yesterday. Just now I woke up and said, are you serious, God? <laughs> and so next week we'll start a, a, a new series. But I want to end today with one of the most precious names of God I think we'll ever hear. And in and, and our backstory, we find this young girl minding her own business. History tells us she's between 12 and 15 years old. And all of a sudden, she gets a visitor that's unlike any visitation anyone has ever had. And in Luke chapter 1, 
in verse 26, starting in verse 26, and I'm reading out of the message. The visitation goes like this, and in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel uh, Gabriel to the Galilean village in Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. And upon entering, Gabriel greeted her and said, Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. I love how the message puts this. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. And she was thoroughly shaken and wondering what was behind a greeting like that. <laughs> but the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. Well, any young virgin who's getting ready to get the news she's getting ready to get would be quite surprised. He said, God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Aha. And what is, else does he say? And he will be great. Be called the son of the highest. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will rule Jacob's house forever. No end ever to this kingdom. And Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. The angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring forth will be called Holy Son of God. And Mary, did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived the son? As old as she is, and everyone called her barren, and here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. <laughs> and Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's maid, ready to serve, just as you say. And the angel left her. There's an old song. This is Jesus. Name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord. We know that one. Emmanuel, God is with us. Living Word, Jesus' name above all names. Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Is, is how did Jesus describe himself? Because there are things that we know. You know, Shakespeare even asked that question, what's in a name? Well, when this name, there's a lot in that name. And I, I can I can go on forever just on the name of Jesus. Yeah. But today I just want to look at a few things that how Jesus refers to himself and how we need to take this as we as the culmination of all this series we've been looking at for 12 weeks now. Is first we want to look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 16. Out of the passage, he said, And when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples the question, What are people saying about me, the Son of Man? 
Who do they believe I am? Folks, I'm here to tell you today, Jesus will be what you believe He is. Come on. What you believe about Him. If you believe that He's the giant combat boot in the sky, ready to squash you the first time you mess up, guess what He'll be to you? That he is father, that he is lover, that he is kind, that he is wonderful, that he is counselor, that he is provider, that he is the see when we are, what do you believe that he is? What do you think about him? Because what you think about him will be what he is to you.
See, the cross settled it all so that I couldn't have to do anything to try to earn it. Because that don't make you excited. Know that there's, you don't have to just struggle and sweat and, and gotta try. I gotta try harder. I gotta pray harder. I gotta read more. I gotta. It's never been about that. He said it's finished. It's done. All you have to do is enjoy it. All right, get off subject. So let's look real quick. How did Jesus describe himself? Jesus described himself in first in, in chapter that. <laughs> John chapter 6, verses 35 and 36, from the voice, Jesus says, I am the bread that gives life. King James already said, I am the bread of life. I like how the voice says, I am the bread that gives life. If you come to my table and eat, you will never go hungry. Believe in me and you'll never go thirsty. I am standing in front of you. Now look what he told him here. And still you don't believe. I'm just, isn't it funny? I've got Glenn back there. I've got Ted here. This pastor church. Isn't it funny how many times people sit back and they go, I'm just not getting fed at church. No, you ain't sitting at the right table. Is that okay? Because if you're waiting on a man to be your bread and to keep you spiritually satisfied, you're in the wrong show, baby. <laughs> it's him that satisfies. It's him that will satisfy. He said he is the bread that gives life. It's not a program. It's not a policy. It's not a procedure. It's not some big job ministry out here. If you want the bread that sustains you spiritually, then you need to run back to Jesus who said, I am the bread that gives life. Well, God just seemed so far away. They were standing in front. Jesus said, I'm standing right here and still you don't believe. I believe there's some churches today, not this one. And if Jesus rolled up and walked right in front of us and told them some, some, to do something, we go, nah, nah, I don't know if that's really Jesus. See, our hunger and our thirst come from sitting at his table. Sometimes we push away from the table. Sometimes we're like, God, I don't like the food that's being served right now. So let me push away. You're not pushing away from anything but Jesus. He's still, you know, Jesus said, I'm right here, folks. And still you're not believing. The church is still full of people like that. Who Jesus is in the middle of doing something great. I just don't know if that's God or not. Because it don't mind up to what our idea of what God is. Psalms 34. I'm, I'm trying, guys. <laughs> There's so much stuff back here I have to quit. So. <clears throat> Psalms 34, verses 8 through 10. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Stop right there and stop. Drink deeply of the pleasures 
himself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him. Worship in awe and wonder. All who have been made holy, that's you. You've been made holy. See, you know that point I got right there? When you start calling people holy, they get nervous. I'm not holy. Your holiness is not. Your holiness goes back to the cross. It has nothing to do with you. He made you holy. All you who have been made holy, for all you who fear him will feast with plenty. Even the strong and wealthy grow weak and hungry, but those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. Man, what a promise! This is Jesus! This is Jesus saying, if you just pursue me, if you come after me, if you, not that he's running trying to get away, he's standing still. But somewhere in my weird twisted mind, he stood there and I came over here. And now he's so far away. He didn't go anywhere. The junkie in my life brought me over here. I just got to. I gotta go make up for it all. Not make up for it. But those who pursue him will never lack any good thing. This is Jesus. John 10. We're gonna read these out of order. Because I like the order I'm getting ready to read them into you better. No, the Bible didn't mess up. But John 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. You know what that word good actually means in the original language? Beautiful. He said, I am the lovely shepherd. I am the beautiful. I'm not the big mean one with the stick on. Not got a head. He's not the sheepdog that runs out and bites at the sheep's heels to get them to obey through fear. Oh, come on. God's not trying to get you to obey him through fear. He says, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep. He is. He's described himself as the bread his life and then he says I am the shepherd who will die to make sure my sheep leave. And that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what this is Jesus. The good shepherd who came and died so that we would live. I like verse 9. I bring verse 10 first or 11, but yeah, 11 first and then go to verse 9. So let's read verse 11 and then read back it up. as a sacrifice to the sheep. Verse 9, I am the gateway. Enter through me is to experience life, freedom, and satisfaction. He's the shepherd who laid down his life, and because he laid down his life, he is the gate. 
God, we experience through Him. We're trying to experience life through everything else. Some of us are trying to experience life through the TV. Work. Some of us are trying to experience life through the news. Do yourself a favor, turn it off. Verse 10, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, he wants to slaughter, he wants to destroy. But I have come, now this is the job of the shepherd. This is Jesus. I have come to give you everything in abundance. First thing you need to understand about your shepherd is he's not going to take you to a field that barely has anything growing in. Remember Psalms 23? The Lord is my, I shall not. Let's take it again. The Lord is my, I shall not. I shall not. I shall not. So if I'm in lacking and I'm in want, that's not God. The word says the thief comes, if you want the King James Version of it, it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if it steals from you, it is killing something from you, or it is destroying something from you, that isn't God. God's not going to punish you by taking things away from you. I'm, I'm going to walk over here. I'm going to break Bill's finger. And say, Bill, you'll learn a lesson from this, I promise. That sounds more like an enemy to Bill than it does a friend to Bill. And if I am a, a, a Sydney's father, which I am, and I walk over here and I say, but I've got great lessons in store for you, so just give me your hand. Oh, real still, I've got a hammer. Can't be anything but 
correction for my stupidity is because he loves me. And I have done some stupid stuff yet. <laughs> Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God who brought us peace. Now we talk about the good shepherd. What has he done? Jesse, he's already brought peace. God's not trying to bring you peace. He's already brought peace, and he's just waiting on you to take it. Now to the God who brought us peace by raising from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ so that he would be the great shepherd of his flock and by the power of the blood of his eternal covenant he may work perfection into every part of you. He worked perfection into everything. Yeah, but I'm not perfect. He worked, either he did or he didn't. That he may work perfection into every part of you, giving you all that you need to fulfill your destiny. I have a dream that I can do this or this. There's a destiny. You already have locked up within you everything you need to fulfill that destiny God's yeah. But I feel like I'm meant for so much more. Then go do more. It's already in you. What if I fail? Then that's what, then you was wrong on the plan. Find the plan and get on it. But you won't know if you don't get up and try. And may he express through you all, now, now look what he's getting ready to express through you. All that is excellent and pleasing to him. You are the expression of all that is excellent and pleasing to God. He is expressing it through you. It's not based on you. He is expressing through you all that is excellent and pleasing to Him. How? Through your life union with Jesus. Through your connection with Jesus, He has already given you everything that pleases Him. Does that mean you're never going to make a mistake? You're never going to blow it? Nope. You know why? Because He's still standing here and sometimes I get distracted by something shiny. And I find myself over here. They believe 
God, and God believes a different thing about them, and the only thing keeping them out is that the two belief systems have not come together yet. The difference between us is our mindset, our thought process has lined up with His, and when their thought process lines up with God, then they have been given everything that is already pleasing and excellent to God. way too hard. Lastly, John chapter 14. Maybe not lastly. I'm just reading the scriptures. I can't remember how many of you are. John chapter 14. Start in verse 6. And Jesus explained, I am the way. I am the truth. You know what that word truth actually means? It means true reality. Jesus said, I'm the way and I'm the true reality. And isn't it? He is the true reality. Everything else is real. Then why does it feel like it? Because our belief systems will just not put back over him yet. I still got parts of me out here playing in silliness. I'm going on. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. And Philip spoke up and said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be all we need. And Jesus replied, Philip, I have been with you all this time. Sounds just like the other verse, don't it? See, even his disciples quit looking at him sometimes. He said, Philip, I've been with you all this time, and still you don't know who I am? How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Jesus is the representation of God Father on earth. He said, don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father. And he lives in me and performs his miracles and powers through me. Believe that I am one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me. Or at least believe because of the mighty miracles. To see Jesus is to see the Father. They can't be separated. Even on the cross, they weren't separated. Yeah, but Jesus said, my God, my God, why do you forsake me? You've got to understand what's going on there. Jesus is actually quoting a song that every one of them knew. See, if God could separate himself from Jesus, then the Trinity falls apart. The universe can't handle that. Because in Corinthians, he tells us that it was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So you got to understand, on the cross, even God the Father was there. The Holy Spirit was there. 
So to see Jesus is to see the Father. Well, Jesus says that I, not only is the Father living in me as one with me, and I'm at one with the Father, in a little while and a little bit later scripture, Jesus says that I'm living in you. So where does that make the Father? In you. So if Jesus reveals who the Father really is, then the more you know Jesus will actually reveal who you really are. He's in you, living his life through you, experiencing life as he works his life through. So that's not what Hebrews holds to me. I want to read some scriptures here. Colossians chapter 1. <coughs> I got two more set of scriptures we're done. I think. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Here is a divine, there is a divine mystery. A secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but is now being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ. Yes. <laughs> Living within you. Is the Christ. And what does he do? He floods you with the expectation of glory. The mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. There's a scripture that says, if you read King James a lot, Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. You are the reflection. So the more you know about Christ, the more you get to know about who you are. And who God has made you to be, and who God is going to continue to reveal in you throughout eternity. It'll take us that long to figure him out. We'll still be learning about who we are. Last scripture, 1 John chapter 4, starting verse 16. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love. Yeah. And we trust in the love He has for us. Maybe that's our problem, Matt. Maybe we don't trust the love he has for us because we haven't learned to trust other people's love because a man's love has let us down somewhere. A woman's love has let us down somewhere. A father's love has let us down somewhere. A mother's love has let us down somewhere. And so now we don't really trust this whole love thing. Yeah, that's good. And now all of a sudden God says, I will love you no matter what you've done, where you've been, or who you've been there with. We're like, I don't know if you really can. And so our mentality keeps him out there when he says, I want to be so intimate with you. This is an experiential intimacy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah, it's good. 
are living in God. And God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought into its full expression in us. Oh, here's the, here's the fun part. Are you ready? So that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Well, aren't you worried about the day of judgment? Come on. Nope. Come on. <laughs> oh, now wait a minute. Because his love has been in my heart, because he has shed it in me, I can now fearlessly face the day of judgment. Yeah. Not because I've been perfect and done it right. Not because I've made sure that I don't do anything wrong. No, because I can just let it up to me. I'm going to mess it up. But it's never been left up to me. It's always gone back to the cross. And because of his love poured out for us, we can now fearlessly face the day of judgment. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Look, call now here, here. I told you, to get to know Jesus is to get to know yourself. Well, how do I know this? Because all that Jesus now is, mm -hmm. so are we. Not in the future, not in heaven, not in the sweet bye-bye. <laughs> all that he is, so are we. Amen. On this You are so much more powerful, stronger, capable, able than you ever imagined. Why? All because there was a virgin who said yes to a direction that said, and you will call his name Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when she said yes, it changed the entirety of everything we would ever know about God and everything we would ever understand about ourselves. Amen. And in that, we understand that as He was, now we are. Amen. Oh, what a man. <coughs> Excuse me. What a man. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. I thank you that you're a great God. I thank you that you have called us into the kingdom for such a time as this. You have poured your love out on us in ways that we never dreamed imaginable. Thank you for picking us. Thank you for picking humanity because your word says that you had the option to even redeem the angels that fell. But it was the earth you redeemed. Let us be always aware of who we are. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.